What's up, guys? We're back here with episode four of Behind the Birds. Uh, it's me, Max, Eagles Intel, here back with Nader, who's Eagles.World, and Donovan, Philly Eagles Updates. Um, for this podcast, we're going to do a mailbag. So we got a bunch of questions. We're going to try to get through as many as we can. So uh, let's get started. <clears throat> All right, first question. If you could coach any team that wasn't the Eagles, which team would it be? For me... I actually had to think about this one a lot, but after the draft, I think I'm going with the Broncos. I've always been a big Drew Locke fan, and he didn't have anything to work with last year, but he did show some promise. I love this, I love Cortland Sutton. Great pick, or well, great receiver. Then they're two big receivers they got this year, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, two great guys, two guys who are going to help that team. They added Melvin Gordon in the offseason. They already have Phil Lindsay. Their offensive line's a little shaky, but I think they can work with it. Then the defense is still – their defense is good. It's not great like it used to be with Chris Harris when he was in his prime, Von Miller when he was in his prime, but you still have Von Miller. You still have good players. So, for me, I struggle with a few teams. I actually like the Colts. I like the Colts roster too, and that was one team I was thinking about. But I'm going with the Broncos. I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go with the same division, actually. I'm going to go with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, who would want – who would not want to live in L.A., first of all? Um and besides for the Eagles, the, well, I mean, the Chargers have my favorite jerseys in the NFL. Danian Tomlinson is one of my favorite NFL players of all time. The powder blue jerseys are just amazing. Um, plus, the team they have, they just drafted Justin Herbert. Who, who wouldn't want to develop a young quarterback like that out of Oregon? Uh, their defense is, 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 pretty, is pretty good. It's, you know, upcoming. Uh, Derwin James, one, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, they got Keenan Allen, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Unfortunately, they lost Melvin Gordon, who was one of my favorite running backs in the league. But um, they still have Austin Eckler, great team. Um, I think Anthony Lynn's doing a good job, but I feel like I would do a better job, you know? Uh, yeah, those are some good ones. Um, I think I'm going to go with well, – I had two. I think I'm going to lean towards Cleveland. Um, and I think it's because they've got talent there. And really, the missing piece is the quarterback. Obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield, everybody's got their own opinions on him. I don't think he's the guy to take them. But there's a lot of talent there, and they've had a lot of picks, and a lot of picks that they haven't been hitting on. Um, and I know Andrew Barry, former Eagles uh, executive, out there as the GM, good guy to work with. Uh, I'd love to get in there, see what I could do with that roster. The other team I was considering was Miami. Um, I like, but but to be honest with you, I'm a really big fan of Flores and what he's been doing down there to to produce what they did last season, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, I'm really impressive with that roster. I know we talk about the Dolphins' loss as like the just one of the worst moments of the season last year, but that Dolphins team by week 13 wasn't as bad as they were when they were getting blown out at the beginning of the year, and you can see that with them when they beat the Pats. I think it was week 17. So, um, like Miami, I'm going to go with Cleveland. Yeah, Miami, so I brought in a few uh, former Eagles. They got Kamu down there, and they got Jordan Howard. But, yeah, so those are all our answers. Uh, let's move to the next question, shall we? So the next one is, which new acquisition will have the biggest impact this year for the Eagles? I feel like the obvious answer here is Darius Slay, but I'm not going to go with it. I'm going to go with Javon Hargrave, the new defensive tackle they signed. I think one of the reasons is Fletcher Cox has never really had a stellar – defensive tackle next to him he had he's had Timmy Jernigan the past few years but Jernigan has had his moments where he's been great but for the most part of his Eagles tenure he was average Javon Hargrave's gonna pull pressure away from Fletcher Cox get rid of those double teams at times we've seen triple teams on him I think he's going to help Cox get open 
get to the quarterback. I re- last year, one of the main things the Eagles struggled at was getting to the quarterback. They gave the quarterback way too much time. I think Hargrave will pull pressure away from Cox and let Cox roam free and be the de- best defensive tackle in the league besides Aaron Donald. Yeah, I, it feel, I was going to go with Hargrave, too. It feels like one of those signings that, like, everybody thinks is a good move. I haven't seen anybody say, you know, this was the wrong thing to do, wrong player. Even if the contract is a bit too rich, there's pretty big consensus that, that this guy is, is seriously good. Um, and you're at, also adding in, I think really underratedly, you're throwing Malik Jackson in there um, as, as a third defensive tackle. And we know Jim Schwartz likes to rotate. And my biggest concern last couple of years has been the volume of snaps Cox has been taking because of the injuries next to him. So if you can get Cox down to 60% of the snaps, throw in Hargrave for, you know, 50% of the snaps, get, uh, get Jackson in there with, for a little nice rotation that those are three players that are just going to wreck havoc on the interior offensive line. Dallas, we talked about just lost their center. They don't have anybody who's going to be able to block any of those guys. Um, yeah, Max, good. Yeah, just mentioning Malik Jackson real quick. I think one thing you could also see the Eagles do is put him up at defensive end at points. You could have Hargrave, Jackson, Graham, and Cox all under defensive line. Imagine that coming at you with not a strong offensive line. That's going to get to the quarterback quickly, assuming Jackson is the player he was before his injury. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, too. I've heard a lot of people say that. My only problem with that is, like, they like to push Graham in. So I don't really know how – Honestly, I don't really know how these roles are going to work, but they got so many guys in there with some versatility that, that I'm not really too worried about it. And I think that's why they were comfortable not taking a defensive end in this draft until uh, two Hill in the seventh round. Um, but since you said Hargrave, I'm going to go with kind of, uh, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit, take two guys. Darius Slay, the obvious answer, but Nikel Roby Coleman, which I love that signing. It was, a, it was an awesome signing. You think back, um, a couple of years ago when the Eagles made their run to the Super Bowl, one of the guys on that team that really made a difference was Patrick Robinson, who was playing like the best slot corner in the league that year. Um, and you're adding in Nicole Roby Coleman, who I've been a fan of for a couple of years. When I was back doing my preview of the Eagles games, every time we played the, Ra- the Rams, the guy that kept popping up was Nicole Roby Coleman. He's an awesome slot corner. It takes a lot of pressure off of whoever's going to be that new tandem linebacker safety guy, whether it's Mills, whether it's Wallace, whoever it is, and a little bit of Cravon LeBlanc takes a little pressure off of him to have that slot locked down. If you think about, let's take about the Cowboys example again. If you have Slay, you have him traveling with Amari Cooper. Let's say they put CeeDee Lamb in the slot. Honestly, first year as a rookie, I'm taking Nicole Roby Coleman to win that matchup at least a good portion of the time. I don't think we're going to get toasted by Lamb if we have Roby Coleman on him in his first year. Um, and so that leaves a lot of the other guys to figure out the other outside slot. I love the Roby Coleman signing. Really good one. Yeah, you guys went You guys went uh, towards the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go a little different, go to the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go with uh, first-round pick Jalen Rager. I think he's going to make a big impact on the team, being that um, we know the Eagles struggles last season, being one of the slowest teams in the league, and they went out, got one of the fastest guys in the draft, and um, he's going to help tremendously with uh, with probably J.J. Arcega-Whiteside um, being as slow as he is uh, with uh, Deshaun Jackson, who, and who knows if he's going to be healthy or not, but at least we have that guy in Jalen Rager who's younger, and, you know, he'll be dependable if a guy like Deshaun Jackson goes down with an injury or, you know, this is Deshaun Jackson's probably last year, you know, but I think Jalen Rager is going to have a 1,000-yard season this year. I'm calling it. Yeah, all those guys I think will end up making an impact on the team this year, hopefully for the better. 
All right. Yeah, next just, just one oh. thing on Rager, if I could jump in. Yeah. Um, uh, Donovan was talking about it. I think the big thing with Rager is that, you know, a lot of rookie wide receivers don't make an impact early, but Rager is going to have so much on his plate in terms of volume that he's going to kind of be forced to. We saw Nelson Aguilar in that Falcons game week two last year. Um, rack up I don't remember the exact yardage total but I think it was close to 100 yards and he had a terrible game and where there's just not a lot of targets to go around um, it's really just going to be Jackson and Rager as only consistent outside threats when you got to throw the ball somewhere Rager is going to get the volume coming at him I really think he can make an impact just like Donovan even if he's not playing that well yeah and also this year's rookie class for wide receivers has been stellar Rager would have been easily one of the top three taken in past drafts so I think he's going to make a big impact, just like many other rookie wide receivers in the class. All right, let's move on to the next one. Do you think the Eagles will keep seven wide receivers on the roster? All right, before we start, we are going to do our 53-man roster prediction in next week's pod, so stay tuned for that. But I dropped my 53-man roster prediction on my Instagram, Eagles Intel, yesterday, and I had them keeping seven wide receivers. The seven were being... Rager, Jackson, Marquise Goodwin, the new acquisition, who they traded for, Watkins, Hightower, Ward, and then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Jeffrey, I had him on the physically unable to perform list. Means he can stay out six weeks in the season, opens up a roster spot. The one player I had trouble putting on there, I I kept seven wide receivers. But the one player that I really struggled with putting on there was Quez Watkins, their sixth-round pick. He's super fast, don't get me wrong. Ran a 4-3-5. But he just doesn't have all that much besides his speed. He's a project. He's a guy who you, I could see end up being on the practice squad if he doesn't get signed somewhere else. I kept seven wide receivers. Jeffrey, I think, will end up coming back, and he will play for the Eagles next year. I think next year will be his last year as an Eagle. But I kept seven. I think it's very possible they don't keep seven. I think Ward's on the bubble. I think Watkins is on the bubble. I don't even think Marquise Goodwin's a sure thing right now. He's had injuries in the past. I think if he gets injured, there's a very real chance they end up cutting him. Don't get me wrong. He has been really good in the past, but his injuries have really slowed him down. So, yeah, I think they're keeping seven, but it's very, very close. I agree that they're going to keep seven, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, Quez Watkins because I don't also believe he's going to make the final roster because the fact that he's not a very polished overall wide receiver right now. There, there isn't much to his speed, like you said. Um, he still has a lot of developing to do, and I think that's why the Eagles took him because I think they know that he might not make the roster, but at least he'll make the practice squad, get get the reps in, get the development in for a year, and maybe make the, the team in uh, 2021. But um, as, as, as um, Alshon Jeffrey uh, stands for me, um, whether I like it or not, I think he's going to be on the team next year. Um, whether that's on the physically able to perform list or not. Um, I think he's going to be an addition to the, to the roster in terms of numbers. Um, Greg Ward's probably going to take most of the slot receiver snaps. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Deshaun Jackson's obviously going to be there. Jalen Rager, first round pick, obviously going to be there. Um, uh, Tim Hightower, uh, John Hightower, I'm sorry, um, is definitely going to be there. He's he's more he's more of an overall wide receiver than Quez Watkins was is. Um, JJ Arcega Whiteside, they're still not done with him. Former second round pick, you know they're not going to cut him after one season of being a second round pick. And uh, yeah, I think those are the seven that that are going to uh, that make the roster. And Quez Watkins are probably going to be looking on the outside, looking in um, from the practice squad. But he'll he'll still he'll still be there. 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty much with you guys on, on, on this too. Uh, I think there's only really two locks among this group. It's uh, Jackson and Rager. And outside of that, I'm not a hundred percent sure any of those guys makes the team. Uh, I'll be surprised if they cut Ortega Whiteside after one year. So I think he'll probably be on there. Um, I think Ward probably battles his way on there. That gets us four. Um, Jeffrey, I think even if there wasn't this problem, the smoke going around with him, whether or not, you know, he's a good teammate, this is up with Wentz, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even if that stuff wasn't there, I still don't think he makes the team. Uh, I'm not sorry. Uh, I still think he ends up on the, on the physically unable to perform list because of the injury. Um, even if they wanted him out there, it's tough to get back from the list rank. Um, so I think he starts on the PUP. That leaves a couple of people. Um, and we talked about Marquise Goodwin. I was sure he was going to get cut. Um, given the fact that they took Watkins and Hightower. But Adam Kaplan's been talking about Goodwin maybe starting um, and keeping him on the roster, and it seems like the team really likes him. So he figures to be a guy that they're going to keep for the beginning of the season. Maybe if Jeffrey comes back, they cut Goodwin at some point. But Goodwin, I think, makes the team. Hightower obviously has the leg up on Watkins, but there's a chance they still cut him if Watkins outperforms him. But, yeah, ultimately I think seven guys makes the team. And the right now, like we talked about, the one guy kind of on the bubble outside looking in is Quez Watkins just because of his size. Um, it's tough to play in the NFL when you're that small at receiver. Uh, and you can see physically when you look at him, he's not that big. Um, he's going to have to do some of his work, I guess, out of the slot. I don't really know where they're planning on using him. So, But they obviously like him. We, Harry Roseman said that they were debating between Hightower and Watkins when they picked Hightower. And when Watkins, when Watkins fell to their next pick, they decided, right now, let's get both. Um, so it's, it's, I think that's kind of what you're looking at here, probably seven, but wouldn't be surprised if it's six and trying to get a couple of these guys on the practice squad. Yeah. Just going back to the Ortega white side real quick. A lot of the comments I've had on my post were, Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. They cut Ortega white side. I don't see that happening at all. You don't cut a second round wide receiver in the second year of his career. Just doesn't happen. Yes. I get, he didn't have a good year last year, struggled with some drops, couldn't get open. I mean, there were some positives. In the preseason, his one touchdown was really good. I forget which game it was, but late in the year, Ortega Whiteside had a great catch, over-the-shoulder catch. He has shown upside, and there's no way you could have second-round pick in the second round when he. it's very clear he could end up becoming maybe not what everyone wanted him to become because obviously they did take him over DK Metcalf last year, and obviously Metcalf has been a star so far. But there's no way they cut him. He could possibly become into like an average receiver, which would be fine how he performed his first year yeah our Sega Whiteside um people forget that the Dallas game to win the division he had a really good game the over the show the over the shoulder catch the one-handed catch on third down our Sega Whiteside had a big big game that game to win the division yeah and and one more one more point on that is um I know we talk about his struggles a lot and the bad season we have. I mean, there are there are some some things you can point to and say, look, this is what this plague him. I think he was dealing with an injury. He's been saying that in some of his interviews. Um, it seems like he had some trouble uh, digesting the playbook, and the team didn't really plan for his. I, honestly, I think the team bungled this a little bit, right? Like he has the drop at the beginning of the year, the Lions game that cost him the game, basically. Um, although what really cost him the game was uh, not running that blocked field. We're not going to talk about the Lions game. Uh, he, so he drops the pass that could have won them the game. And from there, it seems like the organization essentially just gave up on him totally. Didn't throw him back in there. And when they did, it was kind of out of necessity, kind of threw him to the wolves a little bit without a lot of preparation. 
I don't think he's going to turn into much in this league, but a second-round receiver, I think highly unlikely they give up on him just like that unless they get to camp and he's still playing poorly and not being able to do anything. But honestly, because we might not have a camp and because all these things might be shortened because of the pandemic, he kind of has the inside track just knowing the offense off the bat. Um, and guys like Watkins and Hightower might not be able to produce slash even get on the field beginning of the season based on the circumstances. So Whiteside might have to be thrown in there anyway. All right, yeah. Um, we'll go keep going with the receiver topic here for the next question. Who is the best wide receiver on the roster? So I really think this is a two-way street here. It's either Rager or Jackson. Um, Rager, I'm going to go Jackson because Rager obviously has untapped potential. We haven't seen him hit the field. And we know first-round picks, Nelson Aguilar, have all this potential but didn't turn out to be anything. So Jackson has the speed. He's shown he can be one of the top receivers in the league, definitely one of the top deep threats, if not the top deep threat when he was in his prime. So I think Jackson is the – I feel like it should be the easy answer here, but I definitely could see you making a case for Rager. Yeah, um, I think Jackson is probably a lot for this question. I, I love Deshaun Jackson. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we kind of forget the damage he does outside of the deep ball. You could really see it uh, in the limited snaps he played last year that once he gets behind the defense, once he starts threatening deep, it's really easy for him to cut those routes off and catch a lot of comeback routes, a lot of curls inside 10 yards, some slants. He does a ton of damage. And I know there are matchup concerns. Sometimes he disappears from the lineup. Of course, he has injury problems. But in terms of talent, He's definitely the most talented receiver on the roster, no question. Although Rager, next couple of years, could surpass him. Um, uh, but I just think Jeffrey's cooked, Rager's unproven, and everybody else is kind of, to be honest, not that good. And then if we want to talk about it, that's kind of one of the concerns, one of the problems I had this season, one of the issues I had with the Hurts pick, is that the Eagles didn't do much to help the receiver position. I know they added Goodwin and, and drafted two rookies late, but – these are kind of gadget speed guys that don't figure into changing the offense dramatically. Don't get me wrong. Good pieces to add, but I think they're missing, you know, a veteran signing instead of a Marquise Goodwin. It, I think they're missing, you know, a, a higher draft pick instead of waiting and taking high tower and Watkins. Right. So, so it kind of concerns me that right now you're looking at a scenario where Jackson gets injured and your receiving core is Rager, Greg Ward, and John Hightower. And I don't know – we don't know how much better that's going to be from last season. These are two unproven guys and Greg Ward again. Um, I wish they had signed a guy in free agency, somewhat proven, maybe older, uh, in the same way that Eric Decker signed with the Broncos a couple of years ago, that sort of player, even a Randall Cobb, although he got overpaid. Something like that just to have some sort of – wide receiver to consistency if things go awry with Jackson and if Raker takes some time to pan out. Yeah, we're all going to agree on this one. Um, Sean Jackson's my pick as well. Um, we saw what he did last year, even though he got hurt uh, week two. Um, what he did again against Washington in week one was just remarkable. Um, going into the game, going into the season, um, we didn't know what to expect from Jackson because he was, he was on the, you know, kind of on the, um, the deep end of his career, you know, in terms of age. Um, we didn't know if he was going to have that same explosiveness that he had, um, that he showed glimpses of in Tampa Bay. Um, but the fact is that he was injury prone. Um, and when he, when he torched the Redskins for two touchdowns and 100-something yards, I think it was 150-something yards, it was just 
it was remarkable. And then uh, he came back versus the, versus the Bears, and he got hurt again. So as long as Deshaun Jackson stays healthy, there's no question in my mind that Deshaun Jackson could very well lead the Eagles in receiving yards and could be one of the top receivers in receiving yards in the entire league because of his explosiveness, because of his down-the-field ability. And more than that, too, is I think Deshaun Jackson gets not overlooked, but there's more to his game because he's such a problem for defenses and he has such a reputation as being the big explosive wide receiver that can get down the field in a, in a, in a flash that teams have to double him, which will leave a guy like Zach Ertz open, Jalen Rager open, Marquise Goodwin open, Greg Ward open, Dallas Goddard open, Miles Sanders open. Like the teams are going to have to double Deshaun Jackson, whether they like it or not, whether he's healthy, you know, um, or 80%, because Deshaun Jackson 80% is faster than 90% of guys in this league. So NFL secondaries are going to have to double Deshaun Jackson in 2020, which is going to leave other guys open, which is, which is very, um, which is very, which is a very good thing for the Eagles. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson's besides Ertz, I would say maybe Sanders uh, is the only guy opposing defenses will game plan for Rager. I'm sure will have that effect in the future. I hope, but right now it's just Deshaun Jackson. So obviously best receiver on the roster. I don't want to think it's close. All right. Next question. We're going to talk a little bit about someone who he's made the team, hasn't really made an impact yet, and probably will never make an impact, in my opinion. Jordan Mailata. Do we think he's going to make the 53-man roster? What are our thoughts on him? As I said, our 53-man roster predictions will be coming out next week in our podcast. So I have my already on my page. I don't have Mailata on there. I'm going to let Nadir take this one and start us off. Yeah, I've got so many Mylotta thoughts right now. Okay, look, here's the deal. Mylotta, at presently stands, is the backup offensive tackle. That is, that is just lunacy. This guy's never played an NFL snap. Three years ago, he was playing rugby in a different continent. I don't, I don't think there's any way Jason Peters is not on the roster. Into it. Like, like, there is no way they go into this season, Andre Dillard starting a left tackle and Jordan Mylotta being the primary backup. Like, I just – what are we what are we thinking here they've got to be adding somebody because and and this i don't want to go too much into dillard right now although we could go a whole podcast on dillard dillard the dillard pick is just i don't know how it's just completely fallen apart in less than a year we've seen reporting that the eagles don't believe in him that much we've seen reporting that you know the team was really worried about letting peters go they don't think dillard's ready they don't think he can handle philadelphia a lot of reporting about the way he handled last year the fight he got into in training camp stuff like that he is not ready to be starting left tackle without a competent backup behind him and my ladder right now is not that i think he makes the team i think they like what they've been getting out of him and i think stoutline is the type of guy that could turn my into a competent swing tackle for the future. But I just don't think that he can ever factor in as a primary piece of this offensive line group, especially with the injuries that he's been dealing with last two years. Um, and I don't think he can be the guy backing up Dillard, especially when it seems like there's so many questions about Dillard right now. And look, one other Mylotta point unrelated to the question, I still don't understand how they haven't gotten him in on red zone package yet. This guy played was it was a rugby player, and you haven't handed them the ball the two yard line. Like, what are we thinking here? I like it's so simple. It's, you're at the goal line, just give it to Mylotta, who truck four people and get in the end zone. Like, 
if you're going to use him, let's get him on the field. Let's get him doing that. But yeah, I, I don't think, I think my is going to be pushed back to OT4 unless they think Jack Driscoll can uh, produce right away. But since they want to move him into guard, I don't really think how he factors in. Um, and, and Prince Tega Wanogo, um, a good prospect, but a guy dealing with injuries too. So I don't know. I think they're adding somebody. It might not be Peters. We know they looked into Trent Williams, although they denied that report. Uh, somebody's got to be added here and, and, uh, maybe as somebody that displants Dillard as a starting left tackle. Yeah, I'm um, mentioning the whole putting him on the goal line package. Remember, we saw them do that with Bo Allen as the fullback a few years ago when he was on the team. But my thoughts on Mylotta, I don't think he deserves to make this team. They've given him two years now. He's shown no progress, gets hurt a lot. I mean, I don't know really actually if it's a real injury or if they're just doing that to put him on injury reserve so they get an extra roster spot. I think he's definitely going to be their training camp and everything. I'm sure if there is a training camp, I should say. But I don't think he's going to make an impact. I think Prince Tego Wanago was a projected third or fourth round pick. I think he's going to fill a big V type role. I think he's going to be that main backup who can step in and come in if Lane Johnson gets hurt or if Andre Dillard gets hurt. We've heard recently Derek Gunn has come out and say he expects Jason Peters to be on this team come training camp. Peters is old. He gets hurt a lot. I don't think they should. I don't know if they should bring him back. I get the veteran leadership there. But you drafted Dillard in the first round last year. He sat for a year. He had some promise in this when he came in for uh, Peters and even Lane Johnson. So I think you have to let Dillard start. But Mylotta, I just don't think he makes the team. I think, as I said, Tega Wanago, I think he's going to be the main backup. I think he's going to be like a big V. Driscoll, who can play tackle, but I think they're going to move him inside. I think he's going to be a backup guard and a backup center. So Mylotta just right now doesn't have a spot in the team. So that's my thoughts on it. I don't think he's going to make the team. Now, before I go into Malata, I just want to address Nader's point about Dillard because um, the, whole, the whole idea about um, Dillard not being ready and, and whatever, I think, I think is a bad point because when are they, when are they going to give Dillard a shot to get ready? I think he played when, – when he played against Minnesota, he started against Minnesota, he struggled. He did very, very well against Chicago and Khalil Mack. Um, he's shown he's shown flashes of of doing of being a great of being a good left tackle. I think I think it's time that you let Jason Peters walk. Jason Peters, to your point, Jason Peters has arguably been more has been worse than um, than Dillard has. I mean, it's it's been a proven fact. Peters has not played well in the last two or three seasons. He's been a completely injury prone, leaving the Eagles to go with Dillard. Um, Dillard, Dillard, you're not gonna, you're not gonna find out what Dillard is unless you start him at left tackle. It's enough is enough. They gotta let, they gotta let Jason Peters go. Jason Peters is 38 years old. He's gonna be 39 when the season ends. It's enough is enough. Jason Peters gotta go. All right. Well, a couple of things here. Um, I think, uh, I think, I think it's a bit overblown how well Dillard played last year. There was a great thread Jimmy Kemsky put out. Uh, breaking down some of Dillard's film and some of the problems that he had last year. Um, they had him tracked for six sacks in uh, four games that he played. Um, obviously not great. I think he did show flashes. I agree. But last year he was kind of like in a, a below average starting left tackle. They gave him a lot of help with the tight ends and a lot of chipping from the running backs. You can throw him in there. I don't have a problem with that. I have no problem throwing Dillard in there seeing what will happen. My problem is not – planning for him to fail right like like not having a contingency plan in case he fails and that might not be peters i agree we might i think peters played a lot better than dillard did and and it's a bit 
you know, I have no problem with him missing four games a year if we have Dillard coming in there, stepping in as the backup. And look, I, I understand first-round pick. At some point, it's a sunk cost. I know it's way too early to be talking about this right now, and, and we have no idea what this guy could become. But if you get into a situation where Dillard ends up as a competent backup left tackle and you spent a first-round pick on him, the resource allocation is not great, but it's a, it's a piece of your offense, and it's a piece of your offensive line room that you may have overpaid for, but he's there, right? And, and so if that ends up happening, I'm okay with that. It doesn't have to be Peters, but I am not confident in Dillard going in as a starting left tackle if my Lada is the backup. That's, I think that's mainly my problem here. And, and I didn't want Peters back at the beginning of the offseason. I wanted to give Dillard a chance to get in there, but – I feel like the team is all this smoke about the team not trusting him is coming from somewhere, right? And and even when when Peters was cut, they released in their statement that they would be having conversations with them moving forward, and the two sides would stay in touch. And um, it's a bit curious that they haven't added somebody else into that tackle room that would complement Dillard as a backup and go in in front of uh, in front of Mylato. I talked. We know we talked about Winogo. I don't know if he's going to be ready this year with the with the uh, surgery that he had. Um, and he's a guy that's been dealing with injuries, and that's why he fell was the medical red flag. So there's a chance he starts on IR, um, and I don't think he's somebody you can put your confidence in as a backup moving forward either. And, and look, let's not forget, Lane Johnson's not exactly somebody who plays 16 games every year on the other side either. I mean, he's had dealing with, with some minor injuries too. So I, they need somebody back there. Um, and honestly, I don't think I don't think Dillard's a terrible option as a backup left tackle if you if you want to put somebody in front of him. But look, I agree. I'm, I have no problem giving giving him a shot, but be prepared to have somebody behind him if things go awry. Yeah, and just to answer the um, just to answer them a lot of questions because I didn't answer it yet. Um, real quick, um, it's hard it's hard to say whether he's going to be on the team or not because we we all know how much the Eagles coaching staff loves him. I'm not sure about the front office, but the Milata pick was always a coaching staff decision to me because um, it, it all starts with, with, uh, with, with Doug Peterson and Jeff Stalin. And to me, those, those two guys right there are the, are the, are the people that, that kept Jordan Milata on the team the past couple of years that he, that he might have been cut. Um, they traded back to even get him um, because, you know, he could have easily gone undrafted. And they, they, they took him with their seventh-round pick, and they wanted him to develop into a NFL-caliber um, offensive tackle. And we have to remember that he never played a football snap before. Like, not, not a college snap, you know, not, a, not an NFL snap, but, you know, he's never played a football snap before. Like, he's only played rugby. So it's like, you know, to develop him is going to take a while, a process. And I think that you know, with Doug Peterson and Jeff Stoutland liking Milata so much, I think he's going to make the team because I don't see another option going over Milata because I don't think the Eagles have that many options over him. Yeah. All right. So we've answered a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about the wide receivers. We've talked about the offensive line a lot. Let's switch it to the defensive side, shall we? So the linebacker corpse, pretty thin. Someone asked, do you think we should bring back Nigel Bradham? So the Eagles cut Nigel Bradham early on in the offseason, saved some cap from that. And obviously their linebacker corps are really thin right now. You got Gary, you got Edwards, you got the two new guys who they drafted, Davion Taylor and Sean Bradley. You got Duke Riley, but he's mainly a special teams guy. A lot of people have thrown out Jatavis Brown out there, even though I don't think he's going to make if he makes the team, I don't think he's gonna make an impact on the defense. 
So I'm not opposed to bringing Bradham back. Bradham was a good guy in the locker room. He was productive for the most part on the field. He had bricks for hands that could never intercept the ball for his, to save his life. So I don't think it's if it, the money's right, I'm here for it. He's made a very big impact on this defense, especially when they won the Super Bowl. Especially with Jenkins leaving too, you lose a better veteran leader there. You lost for right now. You've lost Bradham. I think it's very possible they look into bringing him back, depending on how training camp goes and if Bradham remains unsigned, because their linebacking corps are thin. I mean, a lot of the times the Eagles do run with just two linebackers, so I think you're just going to see Gary and Edwards out there on the field a lot. Maybe they'll rotate in some Davion Taylor to get him used to it, but I don't think. They'll bring Bradham back. If an injury happens and he's still available, I do think he will be the first guy they call, though. Um, I'm totally against bringing Bradham back. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate what Bradham's done or Bradham's not a good linebacker. I just don't think he fits what the Eagles want in a linebacker and fits the Eagles' system. Um, I think because we all know that the Eagles love athletic linebackers. Um, that's why they drafted Davion Taylor, Sean, uh, Sean Bradley. Um, but – Watching, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Max. Um, Bradham trying to catch a pass from a quarterback was one of the toughest things I've ever seen in my life. I think I'm trying to remember what game it was specifically. I think it was a Giants game. I think it was late in the year, a Giants game. He literally, I think it was Eli. It was either Eli Manning or Daniel Jones threw threw a easy interception for Bradham, and it literally went through his hands. And I was just sitting there like, what, like how? And I've seen that so many times with Bradham throughout his Eagles tenure. Um, and watching Bradham cover um, wide receivers and tight ends was the biggest struggle for me. Um, I just don't think he's fast enough, athletic enough to cover these fast tight ends and slot receivers. Um, a guy like Davion Taylor could because his athletic ability, um, that's why they drafted him. Uh, yeah, speed. Davion Taylor's speed is what's going to help the Eagles yeah. a lot. Yep, yep. Um, and a guy like even Nate Gary, who's not the fastest guy in the world, but I think the Eagles coaching staff loves him so much, and he has so much experience with the Eagles, you know, and he knows he knows the playbook, knows the system, you know, better than most guys on the Eagles roster now because we've acquired so many linebackers through the draft and offseason. Um, I just think that bringing back Nigel Bradham would kind of would kind of um, interrupt the development of a guy like even Nate Gary, uh, Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor. I think those guys need to play a little bit in order to develop more. And I think Nigel Bradham would be just be taking snaps away. And I don't think Nigel Bradham fits the system. So it wouldn't really make sense for him to keep covering these tight ends, wide receivers, and dropping these interceptions. Yeah, um, I don't think they bring him back either. I mean, they might look into it, but they've got Duke Riley. They like TJ Edwards. They like Nate Gary. And I think most importantly, they don't play with a lot of linebackers on the field. I mean, I think they're expecting to play a lot of single linebacker, two linebacker sets. I really doubt they want to be in base that often. Um, and at that point, I think they're comfortable starting Gary or putting Edwards in there. So I, I doubt he's back. And I think what we see is Kayvon Wallace and Jalen Mills kind of supplement whoever is going to be at the linebacker position. I think Davion Taylor is a bit raw. I don't know how much of an impact he'll make year one. Um, I don't know how much Sean Bradley figures in either. Both guys could be helpful on special teams. But, yeah, I think it's TJ Edwards, um, Duke Riley, and Nate Gary 
Jalen Mills, Kayvon Wallace as the guys that are factoring in at linebacker, and I don't think they're going to want to bring Bradham back. Although, would I be surprised if he's back? Not really, if it's a cheap deal, and uh, I wouldn't be opposed either. But, you know, I've got linebacker position they've deprioritized, as we can see, obviously. Um, And so at that point, I'm kind of okay with them really not adding anything. If you're going to deprioritize it, let's let the young guys play. Maybe they'll turn into something. Yeah, just going off what Nader said, Jalen Mills, Kevon Wallace possibly filling in there. You could also someone like Will Parks do that. But we're going to stick with the defensive side of the ball here, and we're going to see who do you think should be cornerback two behind Darius Slay. Obviously, the expectation is that Slay travels with the other team's best best wide receiver. But the two guys, I think, who are going to make a play for cornerback two are Avante Maddox and Sidney Jones. I think Maddox is going to come away with it. He's made more plays in his short career than Sidney Jones has. Sidney Jones has struggled with, like Nelson Aguilar, confidence issues, and that's really impacted his career. Jones made a few huge plays at the end of last year, which I think is why people are going to talk about him possibly getting the cornerback two job. But overall, Maddox has been the more sturdy option, the more consistent guy who's been making plays week in and week out, not just one play a game one play to steal the game, even though those plays Sidney Jones made were huge, especially the ones against the Giants, Cowboys, all those. They were big plays, but he hasn't been consistent. So I think at the beginning of training camp, they're going to say it's a battle between Jones and Maddox. I think Maddox will come out victorious. People I know are going to mention Rasul Douglas in this conversation. He shouldn't even be in the conversation. I don't even think he makes the team. I'm hoping that a team's cornerback will get hurt or something or safety, and they're like, okay, Rasul Douglas is up for grabs. Maybe the Jets, Joe Douglas, we know likes Rasul Douglas, worked with Rasul Douglas. I'm hoping they can get a trade-off for him in the training camp, maybe preseason. So. My guess is Maddox is lining up as cornerback two. You'll see Nico Roby, Coleman, and Slay traveling with the other team's wide receiver one. Sidney Jones will be cornerback four in the roster. You'll see Craven LeBlanc maybe thrown in there a little bit. But right now I'm going with Maddox as cornerback two. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the same page there. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think Sidney Jones has a chance to start on the outside. I mean, he didn't play a single snap in the, in the team's playoff loss last year. Um, he's still got – kind of a long way to go before he factors in a serious role. Um, I think Slay, obviously, at CB1. Nicole Roby Coleman starting as a slot. Cravon LeBlanc as the backup slot. Um, and that also factors in, you know, Kayvon Vallis also factors in the slot and, and Mills a little bit. Um, honestly, I think Maddox starts the season as CB2. Um, I think Douglas is off the team. I agree. Maddox starts the season as CB2. But I think what ends up happening is Jalen Mills – ends up going back to the outside um, and they prefer a guy like Will Parks at safety um, and this experiment they kind of tested out in training camp but they realized Maddox at five nine, how tall is he five ten or thereabouts I mean he's a shorter corner I don't know I think yeah, he's, he's like five ten yeah he's played well in his in his time um, but I don't know if he's ready to be an outside corner um, I keep going back to that the Cowboys example because it's a really good example of how we're going to match up they're they're kind of the best receiving core we're going to face and we're gonna have to do it twice um we said let's put Roby coleman on lamb in the slot if you put slay on cooper on the outside who would i want covering michael gallup um the answer is none of these people i would rather just have some sort of like committee where people i don't know maybe they split half maybe they go zone man split half the field on the zone and see what they can do with gallup but i think i'd rather have mills back there on the outside and then put Will Parks at safety or Kayvon Wallace at safety, um, or even go single high and play Wallace in like a, a hybrid linebacker role. Um, I think they give 
Craven LeBlanc a chance at the outside too. Um, but yeah, I think kind of a dark horse here is that Maddox gets the upper hand. He gets a shot. Um, they test that out, but they really are doing a rotation between Maddox, Mills, um, even Wallace, maybe Jones, if he starts playing well, some sort of rotation based on the matchups. Um, but I know for certain that if we're talking about the five or six defensive backs that are going to be on the field, Slay, Nicole Roby Coleman, Ronnie McLeod are locks. I'd throw in Will Parks as number four. Jalen Mills is number five. And then number six, probably Avante Maddox, Kayvon Wallace, et cetera, et cetera. And those guys some way will factor in whether or not we call them CB2 officially. Who knows? But they'll be on the field. Not only do I think that um, Avante Maddox is going to be the cornerback too, um, he better be. Because if you think about it, um, besides for cornerback two, where is Avante Maddox going to play in 2020? Okay, you got Darius Slay, who's obviously going to be the, the, the main priority in the number one corner. Um, you got Nicole Roby Coleman, who's going to be the slot corner. Um, you got Roddy McLeod, uh, who's going to be the starting safety alongside uh, Jalen Mills, Will Parks, uh, Kavon Wallace. Where is Avante Maddox going to be besides for the cornerback two position? Is Sidney Jones going to fill that position? And if he does, what are you going to do with Avante Maddox? There's nowhere, there's nowhere really to put him. You know, he's – if he plays safety, then, you know, what was the point of moving of Mills to safety? What was the point of drafting Kavon Wallace to safety? You know, um, I just think that there's no other place to put Avante Maddox besides for the cornerback two position. And if he struggles, then you go from there. But I think that he should and will be the starter in week one. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, so uh, that's going to wrap up this podcast for this episode four. Thank you guys for all tuning in to Behind the Birds. Make sure to leave five stars on Apple. We are now on Spotify, which is a big, big up to us. Uh, thank you, everyone, for submitting the questions. Hopefully, we're definitely going to do more podcasts like this coming up to training camp through training camp. Obviously, not as much to talk about. But yeah, tune in next week. We're going to have our 53-man roster predictions. Um, yeah, drop five stars, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Peace.